1: Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Neyman. And now, your host, Philip Neyman.
2: Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun.
3: Happy Saturday, Patriots. This is Rick Travis with Firing Line Radio. Filling in for the great Phil Neyman, your host. And today we're talking about something that's been the talk of the town all week long, the Ninth Circuit Court decision on the, from the en banc review of Duncan v. Becerra. If you do not know what that is, it's now called Duncan v. Bonta, same case. And it has to do with what many of us in the 2A community came to know as Freedom Week and fighting back against the restrictions on standard capacity magazines, With me is one of the lawyers from the Michelle Law Group, which has been handling this case from the very start, Tiffany Chabron, a good friend of both the community and mine. And so welcome aboard, Tiffany. Hi, thanks for having me. So Tiffany, tell us a little bit about the road to where we are at, because there's a lot of confusion out there in the blog space and airspace and a lot of pundits making some pretty erroneous comments. I just want each of you out there to hear from the source, what has actually happened, and where we're at today.
4: Sure. So it's been a long road, first of all. It's been, uh, this started back in 2016 with what was coined Gunmageddon, and uh, the magazine capacity ban was uh, one of the things that was included in that Gunmageddon uh, legislation that was passed by Governor Newsom, championed by him, Um, A lot of us fought fought against that back in 2016, and when it was officially passed, uh, this lawsuit came out of it. Duncan v. Becerra is what it started out as. And basically, the law says, for those that don't know, that you cannot possess, transfer, uh, purchase, import uh, magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. And we all know that this is a very common magazine. It's actually sold with several different firearms. Across the country, and so um, we brought a challenge. California Rifle and Pistol Association, um, Virginia Duncan is the lead plaintiff in that case, and brought a challenge against it, and uh, basically worked all the way up from the lower courts, um, circuit court with Judge Benitez, who gave us a great ruling um, in San Diego and went up to the Ninth Circuit, the state appealed it to the Ninth Circuit. We had another good ruling from a three-judge panel in the Ninth Circuit. And then um, the state kind of panicked a little bit because we were getting good, constitutionally sound rulings. And so they asked for an en banc uh, review of the case, which has 11 justices that uh, review the case. And so um, we've been waiting for that opinion to come down from the en banc court, and it came down this week. Um, and it was not favorable to gun owners. They basically overturned both of the of the other opinions from the other courts, from the lower court and from the Ninth Circuit three-panel court.
3: So I want to I take this back. So when Judge Benitez gave the very favorable ruling saying that what the state was attempting to do was unconstitutional, he also uh, opened up what was known as Freedom Week. And I've noticed recently being at some gun shows and even over the past couple of days that we've had a lot of people go, okay, I've heard Freedom Week. What was that? In a nutshell, from a legal point of view, can you explain what Freedom Week is? Because I know a lot of people know, oh, we got to buy magazines of all sorts and sizes, but not legally what it meant. And, you know, I'm just amazed at the tension, to detail. And I think you can put them in better words than I can. Tiffany, that Judge Benitez had for all law-abiding citizens in that ruling in his motion. Mostly- yes.
4: Yeah. And and boy, did Californians buy their magazines during Freedom Week. We um, we bought more magazines than there were stock. I mean, people were running out of stock all across the country because they were trying to fulfill those orders. So people were buying when they could, you know, get it while the getting's good, right? And so basically what it means is um, Judge Benitez ruled in favor of the plaintiffs, in favor of gun owners, and said that you do have the right to uh, possess and purchase these commonly owned uh, magazine types, which hold more than 10 rounds. And when he made that ruling, he, um, there was a gap of time between when the ruling was in effect and when the uh, state filed their appeal. And that gap of time is, was called Freedom Week. Um, That was when uh, citizens could go buy these magazines and have them in their possession. And so once the state appealed, the process of being able to buy anymore or transfer anymore ended until the appeal uh, process was gone through totally.
3: So one of the things I think has come off of that is, you know, when we went from Judge Benias's court to the three-judge panel in the Ninth Circuit, nothing changed. You could, you know, own your your magazines that you had had beforehand; they've been grandfathered in. You could own the ones you bought during Freedom Week. We saw many jurisdictions throughout the state say, "Yeah, if you have them, you can put those standard capacity magazines in your CCW firearms." For example, no, no harm, not, no foul. I do want to make sure that each of you know you have to check the jurisdiction. Not every county agreed to that, but many did. Um, And then we had the three-judge panel who said, yay, gave us the big thumbs up, and nothing changed. All that carried forward. And then we had this 11-judge panel that I would argue was extremely political because it was seven democratically appointed, four Republican-appointed justices on it. So there wasn't much parity there. And looking at the I believe it's 315 to 320 page document that came out of there. Um, surprised they didn't go for war and peace as far as the <laughs> number of pages. But uh, when you look through it, it was very, very evident that there were two political viewpoints to how this should be done. I mean, it's framed in legal jargon. Um, and we had a lot of people go, Oh no, are we criminals today? And so yeah, that, yeah
4: and so so let me kind of backtrack a little bit because I sure. know that's a big question for everybody are we criminals after this this opinion came down the reason that everyone was able to keep their fire or I'm sorry their magazines for the previous two rulings is because we were able to secure an injunction at the beginning of the litigation And that injunction said that we were going to maintain the status quo, basically, which means if you already had them in your possession, you were able to keep them in your possession. And so as the case progressed, that injunction has stayed in place and the the courts have let that um, continue through the appeal process. And even with this uh, ruling that just came out from the en banc, For right now, for a very short period of time, that is still in place until um, this we're getting into some civil procedure here. So everybody kind of follow along if you can. It gets kind of crazy. But until the the case is remanded back down to the lower court, which they have so many days to do that, uh, then everybody can still be in possession of their magazines that they have lawfully already possessed. Um There will be some things that that need to transpire in that short 14 day period that I think we'll talk about later on in the program today but and get more in detail about it. But for right this second, there's nothing that indicates that people are criminals, that you you know the things that you have are unlawful and you still have them in your possession. So for right now, there's nothing that the, the court said uh, you have to get rid of immediately.
3: So I want everyone to understand out there, uh, California Rifle Pistol Association on their website does post updates on cases like this and alerts. If you're a member, you'll get those in emails. If you're not, and you're just a listener or supporter or hopefully donating to this cause, please go on uh, crpa.org and look at that because especially over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be putting updates several times a week to make sure people know what is happening with this. But please do not join this cacophony of people that are out there misleading and trying to stir the pot and get you really frightened um, because we need to stay focused in this fight because this is a road and I'm gonna I'm gonna open the the next segment by starting off with this question to close this one with you Tiffany. Back in 2016 you and I were both involved in this fight against Gunmageddon. And I seem to recall us saying we would be exactly where we are today, (laughs) and that this really isn't a shock or surprise to anybody that has been involved in the process that this is where we're at.
4: It's not a shock. I mean, the Ninth Circuit is known for approving the Ombach panels, especially for Second Amendment cases. And in other circuits, that's something that's very, very rare. So it was not a shock that the envelope panel heard this, it was not a shock that they did backflips to try to overturn the lower two courts decisions. So um this is not something that's come out of left field. We've been prepared for it and we're we're looking forward to moving forward with it.
3: So folks, um, as we conclude this segment, I want you all to realize the CRPA is constantly on watch 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, making sure that your rights are covered and which is why we need you to support us at www.crpa.org. We'll be back with you in just a moment.
1: Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice, no sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates, or call 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211.
2: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman from Planet Home Lending and host of the main event, heard weekends right here on AM590 The Answer. If you'd like to own a home and you need financing, or you'd like to refinance a home you already own, whether that's in California or one of these escape from California states, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Texas, Arkansas tennessee georgia florida ohio oregon washington idaho or montana i'm the guy you want to talk to or if you'd like to inquire into the one of the most liberating financing tools for seniors a reverse mortgage you want to talk to someone who will guide you towards decisions based on your best interest not theirs call me toll free at 855-640-2020 that's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the planet home lending logo My team and I will lead you to the best decision for you based on your short-term and your long-term goals. Again, for more information, call me at 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo.
5: Hey folks, you know on Boomstick Radio, we are sponsored by the one, the only, the great, Vincenzo Torrellini of Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside, California. Now, this is Black Rifle Week. It's whatever it happens to be. There's some great sales going on there. So head on down to Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside between... Arlington and Central off of Brockton. I always mess that up. But their phone number is 951-823-0211. He's got discounts on all kinds of stuff. And I uh, want to just say that Vince might have eaten too much turkey this week. And he might be a little sleepy. So you may go in there and just ask for a few more discounts than normal See how that goes for you. All right. Just, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you can sneak one by them, but you sure can try. So head on down to Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside, bullseyesports.com, 951
0: 8230211. AM 590, the answer.
5: All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this?
3: This is my boomstick. <laughs> Welcome back to Fine Line Radio. This is Rick Travis, Director of Development for the California Rifle Pistol Association, filling in for the great Phil Naiman, who is out and about defending your rights. And with me today is Tiffany Chevron from Michelle & Associates, part of the legal team that is pushing the Duncan v. Bonta Now case up through to the Supreme Court. And we're going to be talking about that in just a couple of seconds. So one of the things that uh, I really wanna get to, Tiffany, is we're now finished with the Ninth Circuit. There were two paths to go. We could have just kicked back and said, okay, we were wrong, you were right, which we're never going to do. (laughs) Or we can go to the Supreme Court. And in the last couple of days, it has been amazing to see just how misunderstood and misrepresented that process is. And um, I would just want to say to each of you out there, realize that the attorneys that in general are at the Supreme Court, it's very rare to see the attorney that started the case back in the very lowest of courts be the one that speaks to these justices. And I remember uh, a few Second Amendment cases ago, getting up in the early morning hours to watch the Supreme Court um, and I think there was a group of us Tiffany, I know you were watching, and some people from the offices was back there. And it was interesting to see the interplay between the the justices and the attorneys because they actually know each other because these that's attorneys right. are there all the time. And so I think there's this Hollywood esque idea within the community of, oh, that young country lawyer has made it all the way to the Supreme Court. Nope, that's not what really happens. And so if you could kind of Help unpack that so each of these, our listeners could understand exactly what that looks like.
4: Sure. Well, they in the legal community, they call the Supreme Court the show. It's what every attorney wants to get to, right? But very, very few get there. And it's exactly because of what you said. There is a group of attorneys who have argued before the Supreme Court for a very long time. They're very experienced. It takes knowing the justices. It takes understanding procedure extremely well. And unless you do that for a living, you don't want to probably be the one that that argues those cases. You have to understand what those justices are asking and get to the point of it. And so um, it it is something that, like I said, every attorney wants to get there, but it's a very long and detailed process. And so as soon as this uh, ruling came down, everybody started saying, Supreme Court, Supreme Court. And of course, we want to appeal it to the Supreme Court. That's obviously the plan. I think everybody knows that. But um, what does that process look like? And I think a lot of listeners probably expect to hear about these cases sooner they get kind of frustrated because they're like, well, what's happening with this um, case, this magazine case? It seems like it's been around forever. Well, a lot of cases do hang around forever and it has to do with the procedure of the courts and how many days you have in between certain things that have to happen. So it is a very long process. And right now, what we have to do is we have to um, try to keep in place this injunction which allows everybody to uh, hold on to their legally possessed magazines um, at least they, they're legally possessed before this ruling came down. And so that's the first step is to try to uh, you know get everything on file within the time limits that we need to to make sure that that is secured while we appeal to the Supreme Court and then you start, writing your briefs for the supreme court and that takes a lot of time and energy and people and money um just to be upfront about it that's just the way it is it's very expensive to take a case to the supreme court even the the first part of it where you're just um asking and petitioning for what they call certiorari um and i want to interrupt
3: you for a second because Yeah, I made this comment to a reporter early in the week, and they were blown away by it. But um, I remember talking to your boss, Chuck Michelle, one time, and he he casually said, oh, yeah, so it costs this much money just for the copies that go to all the clerks and the justices and everything. And that copying bill was like six digits. I was like, What? I mean, you can produce lots of books for less than six digits. And I (laughs) was like, wow. And I think it is.
4: It is, that's why it's called the show, right? I mean, it is a big deal to go to the Supreme Court and they only accept a certain number of cases every session. And those cases have to be exactly following all the rules. I mean, the covers on the briefs have to be a certain color and has to be certain fonts. I mean, the briefs have to be all inclusive. They have to wait for all the records to get there. It is a huge amount of work and money, Um, but it's important. It's important that groups like California Rifle and Pistol Association bring these cases because if, if they aren't the ones that bring these cases and support it through donations from members, then this, the rights of the people will be infringed because the government is making every effort to do that.
3: And that's what I wanted to bring up too. You you made a, a comment that was priceless. I don't want anyone to miss this when you said, hey, there is a procedure and there's a calendar and there's, you know, this time. And I know a lot of times people look at us, I get this when I'm publicly speaking and going, why, why are you guys so slow? And I have to always tell them, It's not us just being slow. It's the state. The state sometimes gets like 90 days to answer something. And unlike us, they don't get that answer out in a week or two. They take 89 days.
4: Right. And Yeah, sometimes it's midnight, the the day of the filing when it's due, when the court will receive it. And, um, you know, a lot of that strategy on their part, um, a lot of it, sometimes they'll file things to delay even further And ask for additional time. And so, all of these things, I mean, you know, as attorneys, we are kind of at the mercy of the court. If the court decides to allow those things and allow additional time, then we have to kind of follow along with that.
3: Right. And I think that's important for everybody to understand because it is so difficult for us to really know, like, when they're actually going to file. So, you guys are constantly, I know from working with you, geared up and wound up for the fight, and there's a lot of hurry up and wait. And I want all of the listeners to understand that process of the hurry up and wait because it's it's frustrating just as much for you, the listener, as it is for us that are fighting on your behalf. Uh, Tiffany, let's talk briefly about the um, process in this next segment of when we get to the Supreme Court, what that looks like, because there's a lot of people trying to figure out, okay, so you guys are filing this paperwork. It's going to go forward. So are we going to know something in 30 days? I mean, they're like all excited. And when I try to tell them, no, it's not going to be 30 days. Um, I think maybe if we start to unpack kind of where things are at, both with the, the New York case, that a lot of people got really excited about that just got heard by the Supreme Court. Um, and I, I swear if I get one more phone call, do you know anything? Nope. Not till June, people of next year. Um, but I think uh, that will help out a great deal.
4: Yeah, we can do that. And I think that that New York case is really important to one of the ways that this could all play out. And so there's there's multiple ways that this could go. And so I think just unpacking that would be really helpful for people.
3: So once again, I want to thank all of you for being with us today as uh, Tiffany Chevreau from Michonne Associates, who is the law firm handling the Duncan B. Bonta, the standard capacity magazine case that is now moving from the ninth circuit after the en banc ruling earlier this week to the supreme court will join us in this next segment i'm rick travis director of development with the crpa filling in for phil naiman and we'll be back in the next segment
5: hi folks philip naiman from firing line radio show
0: the answer
3: spartans lay down your weapons Persons. come and get them welcome back to fine line radio on this wonderful saturday in california filling in for phil neyman your host is myself rick travis the director of development for the california rifle pistol association and with me today is tiffany chevron one of the lead attorneys On the Duncan v. Bonta case, the Standard Capacity Magazine case on behalf of Michelle and Associates, the law firm handling it. And we're now going to unpack where we're at so each of you understand there are a couple of different ways that this case could play out as we move it to the Supreme Court. And, Tiffany, I know one of those pathways has a whole lot to do with what we expect to come out of the court in June Dealing with the recent New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case that was up there at the Supreme Court.
4: Yes, so the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case is uh, one that it actually could they could actually have an opinion before June, but we're kind of guessing around June because that's typically when they come out come out with their opinions. Um, So sometime between now and then, and that case has a lot riding on it it's the first second amendment case since heller uh, in over a decade and stirred up a lot of excitement from the second amendment community and um even our law firm you know we were very excited to to watch that play out we did a lot of amicus briefs for through that process in support of that case and um so one of the things that that people are anticipating might come out of that case is the level of scrutiny with which Second Amendment cases are viewed. Right now, there is a split among the circuits. And in California, in the Ninth Circuit, they view Second Amendment cases many times with a lesser degree of scrutiny, intermediate scrutiny, instead of strict scrutiny, which is the highest level. And to put that in perspective, most constitutional rights are based on strict scrutiny, uh, meaning that the government has to have a compelling, compelling government interest in order to affect your rights in some way. When they lessen that level of scrutiny, it means that the government has a little more leeway to infringe on your upon your constitutional rights. And so, the Ninth Circuit and some of the courts in California um, have kind of formulated this sliding scale where they decide whether or not um, a Second Amendment case deserves this higher level or this lower level of scrutiny. So the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case that was just heard at the Supreme Court level, um, there's a lot of talk about whether or not the Supreme Court is going to come down with a ruling on whether or not Second Amendment cases deserve that higher level of scrutiny. And if that does happen, then that will affect cases like we see here with Duncan that are moving through the process as well. It may be a, possi- it may be a possibility that, uh, you know, we file everything with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court comes down with New York State Rifle and Pistol Association order that states that everything has to be viewed under this higher level of scrutiny and they take our case, the Duncan case, and send it back um, to the lower courts for for review under that different level of scrutiny, uh, which would be great, right? I mean, that would be wonderful. Um, The other way that it could go through the Supreme Court is we go through the more traditional pathway where we submit everything, ask for them to um, grant us uh, certiorari or grant us review, And uh, then we wait uh, and see if they actually grant that to us.
3: I do want to say something. All of us in our career fields, no matter what we do, um, blue collar, white collar, it doesn't matter. We have a, a certain set of words. And I noticed yesterday an argument that took place online. And it was because one person said no. It's called CERT. The other one's like no. And isn't cert just like your guys like slang for, and I always say it wrong. <laughs>
4: exactly, it's it's the shortened version of certiori. So it's just cert. So they can yeah. grant cert if they if any of the listeners hear that it's the same exact thing. Right.
3: Okay. So moving forward during this process of it going to the Supreme Court, um, we could not know an answer until I've heard as late as mid twenty three.
4: Well. Uh if they do grant cert, I'll use the slang for everybody. If they do <laughs> grant us that, then uh, that would mean that this case would potentially be in uh, the session that would start in 2022, which starts in October of 2022. Now, they could hear it at any point during that session, which is several months long. And then we're right back to the same situation we are right now in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, where we just heard the case um, over this past month, and we have to wait till June potentially to get an outcome. So if you get on on the docket for the 2022 session, then it could be 2023 before anything comes up of it.
3: And I want to point that out because there's been some pundits and people out there in blog space that are like, oh, we'll we'll know something like here in just a few weeks, months. No, it's going to be a block of time, which means potentially um, I'm looking for a win in this. I think there's strong reason to believe we would have a win at the Supreme Court if they chose to hear it. And that would mean at the, the end, we will have went literally about seven years Mm-hmm. From start to finish, and I want to point that out for a moment to each of you because a lot of times when you sit there and say, "Well, the, the CRPA and, and to be quite frank, other two A groups that are moving very positive pro Second Amendment legislate are court documents through of well, you guys are screwing around. It's taking too long. These court cases, when they start to finish, if they go all the way to Supreme Court, are generally speaking somewhere between six and ten years seems to be the average to get from start to finish, which is why I always harp, I know Phil Naiman does, the way you avoid this is you keep reminding the politicians they work for you, not the other way around. Because these cases, 95% of the time, I'd argue personally about 99% of the time, start because of political shenanigans that put us in these positions. And so if you don't want to have to do what I do for a living, which is raise money for these things, or, or be bugged by people like me saying, hey, we need more money because it costs money to fight. Um, you got to realize we got to stop them in the election. We have an election coming up this next year. It is vitally important that we don't accept any of the naysayers. There's negativistic attitude that there's nothing because one of the things I want to point out with you, Tiffany, is currently we've been at the Ninth Circuit. And this is another one of the misnomers that I'm amazed by how many people think the Ninth Circuit is synonymous with California. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. I believe it. Yeah, yeah, it covers a wide swath of the Western United States. Yes. And, go ahead.
4: Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's huge. And there's actually been calls to break it up recently because it covers so many states. It even covers Hawaii, um, you know, and it, it's just so big. I think it covers Guam, too. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's ridiculous, really, how many people are are affected by um, the Ninth Circuit, which is one of the most overturned circuits in the country. Um, And I I think there's two things that we should focus on, too. It's where we are right now. It's critical that we keep the status quo. And that's the first step in all of this. Everybody gets excited about Supreme Court, but the first step is keeping the status quo so people can keep their firearm or I'm sorry, their magazines and they're not considered criminals through this process And the other thing is that that what you were just saying about starting at the beginning with the politicians and the local, uh, you know, the local politicians, the local meetings, um, answering calls to action, uh, responding when uh, groups ask you to respond. It is so important uh, to have people do that. I was in a meeting last night and we had gun owners that showed up. Like crazy, and it was spent three hours of just people getting up and giving comments, and that is a big deal. And we were able to defeat something last night um, that it could have gotten bigger at the state level. And so I just think you know, encouraging people to be part of that process from the beginning all the way through to this part is is a big deal.
3: I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that is so important, and I think people miss it that at local politics you tend to brush it off because, oh, yeah, a group of people went to the local PTA meeting, for example, and that's what they usually label it as. It's not that. It's so much more vitally important because when those local politicians see people coming out, they change their mind. They back off. They tell outside groups, nope, not doing that here in my backyard. Right. And by doing that, you're able to stop it. But what people think, oh, well, you know, They're bigger fans of their sports team. And hey, I got my sports teams I love. But if you gave to this movement 10%, I've argued, of what you give to your sports team in terms of supporting them by buying merchandise, showing up, doing the blah, blah, all those things, uh, we wouldn't have, I would argue, 50% of the challenges that we have right now. And so for those of you that have been answering those calls for us and other groups, I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart. But for those of you that are still sitting in that armchair, kibitzing, making comments, get out of the armchair. Get moving this year because we have a unique opportunity to take it back. And we're going to take it back. And I'm going to call you out if you try to say you were part of that process and you were sitting on the couch the whole time. This is Rick Travis with Fine Mind Radio along with Tiffany Chevron. We'll be back for the final segment in just a moment.
1: Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No self-pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211.
5: Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show.
0: AM 590, the answer. Yes! Great hunter. Yes. Yes. Fine figure of a man. Yes. 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 That is all you need to know for now.
3: Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. This is Rick Travis, your guest host, filling in for Phil Naiman. I'm the Director of Development with the California Rifle Pistol Association. And joining me today is Tiffany Chevron from Michonne Associates, the law firm on behalf of CRPA that is handling the famous Duncan v. Bonta case that we've been talking about. And in this final segment, we are going to get into uh, the costs and uh, wrapping up kind of where we're going with this case. And so, Tiffany, I want to bring that up because, you know, it costs a lot of money when you go to the lower court. And I'm kind of intimately uh got that knowledge because, as my title suggests, part of my job is raising money for these cases, which is why people vote so I don't have to raise so much money for cases I can do it for fun things like kids going to camp and stuff. But um, that's where we're at. Then when we go to the Ninth Circuit, like the price tag just exponentially explodes. And so I'm going to ask you some questions. I know for you, you're going to be like, seriously, you know the answers, but just so each of the listeners know this. Um, so try not to just give me, yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> okay. So, you know, as a lot of the people are seeing at home here on Saturday or out the range or wherever they're at listening, um, Tiffany, does it not cost a ton of money to go from the lower court to the Ninth Circuit?
4: Absolutely. It is one of those things that Uh, If anybody's ever been involved in litigation, you know how expensive just general litigation is. It can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars by the time the process is over. Uh, And when you take it to that next level, to the Supreme Court level, it involves so many attorneys and so many law clerks and hours upon hours of writing and preparing briefs. And it the 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 amount of money and time that it takes to make an effective argument before a court like that is just a tremendous amount. We're, you know, more than, more than hundreds of thousands, probably more into the millions at that point, uh, easily, uh, depending on, on what all is required.
3: And and I want to bring this home to all of you out there because, you know, she's just talking about the costs on our side of the equation. On the state side, the state seems to have the attitude and correct me if I'm wrong, Tiffany, of like, well, this doesn't cost us anything because it doesn't cost the state, but it does cost somebody in the state, which would be (laughs) the The taxpayers.
4: That's right. You're all paying for the state to fight against your rights. Uh, And when these laws are passed, the elected officials know they're going to get challenged in court. They are very aware that they are infringing on your constitutional rights, but they think, well, the state will pay for it and we'll move on to the next thing. And we're they try to bury you in appeals and paperwork and everything else and cost our side, the gun owners, a lot of money because they know that our cases are paid for by. Your individual donations and by your commitment to this, they're getting paid for out of the tax dollars that you pay, and they have these unlimited resources. You know, I think California has a surplus right now, so they're not really worried about paying for uh court cases. I think you bring up a very
3: good point. You, the the person who's a gun owner, or you support constitutional rights, or you're just listening in, I want you to understand something Tiffany said because um, I don't go into the courtroom. that's her job. But I do go in and meet with politicians and go to hearings and stuff as part of my job. And I will tell you on more times than I have fingers and toes, and I have all of them, uh, I have heard multiple politicians go, I don't care if this is wrong. I'm doing it. And, That's right. Yeah. And, and that, the audacity of that, I want you to realize because you all listening to this, you're their boss. So imagine at your workspace, an employee saying, I don't care how much this costs the customer or you the owner, because I'm not paying for it and I'm still going to do it. You would fire them on the spot. And instead, most of our citizens tend to go, oh, well, that didn't hurt me. Yeah, the reason you're paying more for gas, food, everything else isn't just a crisis. It's because the state is running, literally outside of this case, probably more than 100 felonious cases simultaneously costing all of us a gross chunk of our lives. Because that's, that's right. what and, it is. And, it's a representation of your life.
4: And there's a million new gun owners in California right? over the past year. Those one million new gun owners, if they got engaged in this fight, could make a tremendous difference in where we go, whether it's at the local meetings and they're showing up, or whether it's donating time or money to uh you know events or or these these types of uh cases those 1 million gun owners are totally new uh influx of support and i hope that they understand that their rights that they've just recently uh been able to exercise over this past year are at stake here as well and I I stood in gun stores during the pandemic and I heard people question, what do you mean I have to wait 10 days to get a firearm? What do you mean I have to pass this to get ammunition? So it was shocking to them then. And I hope that they are engaged enough to understand that these types of cases directly affect them. I think what people have to realize is I know there's some of you that have been advocates
3: of the, well, there goes California, I'm going to move. Remember what Tiffany and I talked about in the last segment, even if you move anywhere west of the Rockies, you're still in the Ninth Circus. Um, And so as a result, these things are going to impact you. But we have seen numerous times we could spend a whole show on just the number of laws that Californians didn't fight that are now law in 20 or more states across the country, including places the people think our sanctuary, like Florida, Texas, Arizona and stuff, some of those states are starting to turn more purple than stay, you know, red. And so this fight isn't just for California. It's a national fight, folks. And you've got to stay engaged. Going back to the football or sports metaphor earlier, you know, you've got to realize that when we're doing this, you know, a typical thing and using football is you run the clock. You know, you're up by seven. And there's four minutes left on the clock, and you find every way to deny your opposing team any time to run the ball, kick the ball, throw the ball, or whatever. That's the same thing that happens in the court system, folks. They don't run the clock as much as they run the bank account. (laughs) And, And that's why I want you to realize the reason a lot of cases start off and don't go anywhere is because this case is well into the seven digits on this next move. That's not seven digits from the beginning. That's seven digits from earlier this week when, hey, the the, the, Ninth, the Ninth Circuit and it's en banc said, yeah, no, we're going to overthrow it. And I want you to hear what those judges did. You had a lower court judge who has done amazing work, um, like many of the lower court judges did, that said it was unconstitutional. So then they said, the state said, we don't like that. So again, they kicked up to the Ninth Circuit. Two of the three judges hearing it, which are at the ninth circuit level, said, "Yeah, the lower court was right." Instead, the state saying, "Okay, we we screwed up." It is the arrogance and audacity to push it to the en banc, and and I will say it, jerry-rig it to Sorry. the best of their ability, and said. start this process that has led us to where we're at, and now we have the the situation we're in, where it's like. We're starting fresh, seven digits minimum to execute this. And that is why you're going to hear me and other people out there now for the next few months raising money because this is how you, the local gun owner, the local advocate for your rights. And I'm just going to point out, folks, if we lose the Second Amendment, we're going to lose the First Amendment. And if you don't buy that, a country that recently had a lot of First Amendment like rights. That gave up their Second Amendment rights is Australia and look where they're at now. Take a good long look and say, is that where I want to be? Do I want that to be my neighborhood? Because if you do, sit in your armchair and do nothing. But if you don't, then I strongly encourage you. There's a couple of different ways to give to this case of going to CRPA.org and donating. You can donate to Litigation Fund. You can even earmark it for Duncan V. Bonta. Um, there's another. Uh, a thing called the 2LAC. I'll let Tiffany talk briefly about that pathway to also donate to this.
4: Yeah, I was actually just getting to say, I'm involved in uh, the Second Amendment Law Center, which is 2ALC.org, which is a group of Second Amendment attorneys that have come together uh, to try to fight anti-gun laws across the country. And so I track things all over the country and what's going on. And this is not just a California issue. A lot of it starts in California and as the testing ground, but it's it's happening everywhere. And so the Second Amendment Law Center is also supporting these cases and working with cases all across the country to try to get some really good uh, rulings across the country in every circuit.
3: And I think it's so important that all of you understand that this is the way you can engage to make sure that this fight continues, because we're not just fighting for ourselves. We're fighting for kids. We're fighting for everything. The CRPA works constantly beyond the courtrooms for the next generation to provide opportunities and to educate the public and to take care of the million new gun owners that have come across to make sure they get training. Because as always, our motto is first and foremost, we want you to be safe. And then we want you to know how to be able to shoot straight when it's necessary, whether it's to put food on the table, to have fun, or in the worst case scenario, protect you or, and or your family and loved ones. And finally, we're here today on this show to teach you how we fight back to preserve those first two things. And so here we are with CRPA thanking once again Phil Naiman and Finding Line Radio for supporting the cause. We look forward to you all being back with him next week on the show. Have a good weekend. Shoot,
5: Felipe! Shoot! When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. I'd like to introduce you to a new sponsor to the show. Sean Gibbs of Ask Defensive Training Company. They're in Redlands, California. They also sell guns and ammo. But the most important thing that they have for you here today is their training courses. Ask, kind of an interesting name. Why would you call it that for guns and ammo? Well, Ask stands for attitude. Skills and knowledge. And that's what they focus on at Ask Defensive Training. Sean has basic courses for a first-time gun buyer. If you're not familiar with your firearm, you want to be able to use it safely, perfect place for that. He has also additional courses for defensive handgun, advanced handgun, and even learning how to shoot a firearm in low light situations. Bring your mag light. So folks, check them out at askdefensive.com, ASKDefensive.com for a schedule of classes. He's got a great store in there, too. So buy what you want. Train what you want. AskDefensive.com.
0: AM 590. The answer.